Well, I got to say, it's a privilege to be in here and, and an honor to be here, uh, to be able to speak with you and just be here with you, each one of you. I've gotten to know Levi over the last seven years. And I got to tell you, uh, you got an amazing uh, pastor here, an incredible pastor here. We've become good friends. Now, he did beat me in bowling one time, and so I hold that against him. So if you ever go bowling with him, he is a sharpshooter. Uh, so uh, just, just be careful. But uh, we've had a really good time just getting to know Levi. You guys are going through the Psalms this summer, um, and we are going through the parables this summer. And what we thought we would do um, is Levi would go to our campus, or, or sorry, our church, and he would bring our church family a song. And uh, we thought that I would come to this church family and bring a parable. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And as you're turning there, let me ask you this question as you are just finding your way to Luke chapter 14. What has been the greatest invitation that you've ever received? What's been the greatest invitation that you have ever received. When I think back over my life, I've gotten a lot of good invitations, but there's a few invitations that have stood out in my memory in, in my life. It was about seven to ten years ago, I can't really remember, that I got a phone call from my grandfather. And he told me, Dave, I would really love for you to come to Africa with me. Would you come to Africa with me? My grandfather is an evangelist who traveled the world when he was, um, when he, he, he's retired now, but when he would travel the world speaking to thousands upon thousands of people. And he was speaking his last message in, uh, in, in Africa. And he picked up the phone and he said, Dave, I want you to come to my last crusade that I'm holding in Africa. Would you come and be there with me? Well, I was just stunned. And, and I, I got off the phone and I asked permission from Chantel. I went to the church family, Emmanuel, that, that I was at. And I said, is there any way that I could go? And so uh, about eight years, to nine years, ten years ago, I can't really re- remember, I was, had the opportunity of going with my grandfather to his last crusade, his last speaking engagement. And you got to know this. He was 86 years old when he went. And he rocked that stage. I'm telling you, he rocked that stage. If I could be 86 years old and still speak with the passion and the enthusiasm and and with that kind of sense of awe and reverence for God, I just stood amazed. In that trip, we also got to go to the Maasai Mara uh, um, Provincial Park where we saw the great wildebeest migration. Not only did we see the great wildebeest migration, we saw a lion take down the last wildebeest of that that walk. It was incredible, bloody, but it was uh, incredible. We saw all of the animals that you'd want to see in Africa. This was one of my most greatest invitations that I've ever received. What's been yours? What has been your greatest invitation? And the reason I asked that question this morning is because we are going to look at the greatest invitation that mankind has ever been given. And that is found in Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, we see what, uh, Jesus share a story. He shares a parable that is called the great banquet. And we are going to look at that great invitation, that great banquet this morning. Before I read the parable, let me give you a little bit of background to this story that Jesus is about to share. Jesus is at a dinner party, 
And he's at a dinner party, not just with any people. He's at a dinner party with prominent Pharisees. With, he's at a prominent Pharisee's house. A Pharisee, in case you are wondering what they, who they are, they are the primary and prominent religious leaders of that day. So in many ways, Jesus is invited to this prominent uh, dinner party that is filled with some of the most prominent, wealthiest, most influential people of that day, of that culture. And it's at this dinner party that it says that Jesus was being carefully watched. If you look, see it in in Luke chapter 14, verse 1. He was being carefully watched, meaning the Pharisees were devising a plan to kill Jesus. However, it's at this dinner party when Jesus knows all of this is happening, where Jesus takes this opportunity and he teaches some valuable lessons. The first lesson that we find in Luke chapter 14 is is in verses 2 to 6. And he confronts the Pharisees' hypocrisy. And then we see another great lesson that Jesus teaches in verses 7 to 14 where he confronts the Pharisees' pride. And then he gets to another, the third lesson of this chapter in verses 15 to 25. And he confronts the Pharisees' confidence in their salvation. They believed. They believed because of their status. They believed because of their morals. They believed because of their religion. That it was automatic. They were going to go to heaven. And it's in this third story. This third lesson. That Jesus shares a parable. About the greatest invitation. That we. Will ever be given. And here's what it says. Look at verse 15 says this, when one of those at the table heard him, all that was Jesus was saying, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Pause there for just a moment. In other words, there was someone at that dinner table that turned to Jesus and he said, Jesus, look at this party. Look at the decorations. Look at the food that we are being served. Do you see the musical guests? And do you see all of the people that are at this party? All of the prominent and influential people. I mean, these people are the creme de the creme, the best of the best, the most important people of this culture. This is an incredible banquet. But he says, Jesus. This banquet that we're at right now, it does not even come close to the banquet that is waiting for us in heaven. Man, when we get to heaven, just think about it, Jesus. Just think about the food that we're going to be served, the music that is going to be playing, the company that is going to be awaiting us. It is going to be awesome. Now, Jesus, knowing how awesome heaven actually is. And knowing the way to get to heaven, how people get to heaven, he responds to this man's comment and confidence with a story. A story that you and I can't ignore. Why? Because our eternity hangs in the balance. Whether or not we go to heaven 
is on the line with this story. And this is the story that Jesus shares. Look at verse 16. A certain man, in Matthew, if you read this this parable in Matthew, it says a certain king. So a certain king was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Pause there for just a moment. In this story, Jesus says that a king had prepared this great banquet for a multitude of people. The food had been prepared. The decorations had been hung. The band was already there. They had done their test of the sound and they were playing their music. Everything was ready at this great banquet. However, there was one thing missing. And that was the guests. There was no one there yet to enjoy this great banquet. And here's what you need to know. In banquets of Jesus' day, there was usually two invitations that were given out. The first invitation was to to let the people know that there was coming a great banquet. And you need to set aside time. You need to set aside time to be able to come to this banquet so the people would get this invitation, know that a banquet was coming, and they would clear their schedule. And then a second invitation would come to them saying, the party or the banquet is now ready. You can come. But I want you to notice what happened when the second invitation goes out to the people. The first one had already been given. The people were waiting. Now a second invitation had been delivered. And I want you to notice what happened. Look at verse 18. It says this. But they... All alike. Meaning every one of them, every single last one of them that got the first invitation, did you notice what they did? They began to make excuses. It's like when your son, when you asked your son to go mow the lawn and he says, I can't dad, I glued my, I glued my hands together. Or it's like when you ask your daughter to go clean up her room and she says, Dad, I'm sorry, I can't. i got to go be a pallbearer at my best friend's gerbil's funeral. Or it's when you ask your husband to do the dishes and he looks at you and says, Sorry, I broke my toe. You know, these are all bogus and lame excuses. When the second invitation went out, they all alike began to make lame excuses. Look at verse 18. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please, excuse me. Now here's what you need to know. Buying a field in that day was an important thing. It was really important to buy a field. It costs a lot of money, and you would have to make sure that that field was going to be profitable, that it was going to be good for you. However, you would never buy a field without first going to it and looking at it first. You would first go and take the time to see the field and see if it was worthy of purchasing, and it would yield a good crop. But I want you to notice what this guy said was that he actually had bought the field. The field was already in his possession. 
And so that the reason he couldn't make the banquet was because he wanted to go and again check on the field that he had bought. But that could have waited. You realize that that could have waited until after this banquet. I mean, he had already was in possession of this field. He did not need to go back. And yet he made the excuse that he needed to go check out his field. You know what this excuse revealed? It revealed that the land was more important than the banquet. It revealed that the land was more important than the king. What this excuse showed was a lack of respect and a lack of value towards the king who was throwing this great banquet. Now look at verse 19. It says, another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me again. This is another really bad excuse if you were to know really what he was saying. Just like the first man, it says that he bought five yoke of oxen and said that the reason he couldn't go to the banquet is because he needed to go look at the oxen. Well, again, here's what you need to know. You would never purchase ox, uh, a yoke of oxen, five yoke of oxen, without first going first to see it and look at it. What this man was doing was he was saying, I've already bought this oxen and yet I want to go and see them again. Do you know what this excuse shows? It shows that the oxen were more important than the banquet. It shows that the oxen were more important than the king. What this excuse shows is a lack of respect and value towards the king. Now look at verse 20. There's still another excuse. It says, still another. It said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now on the surface, let's be, let's be honest here. This seems like a bona fide excuse, doesn't it? I mean, this man had just got married, and we all know you don't mess with a a bride on her wedding day or a husband on the honeymoon. That's a big no-no. And yet, this man said, I just got married. I cannot go to the, the banquet. Do you know what this shows? Do you know what this shows? It shows us that they already knew that the banquet was there. They already knew the time frame of when this banquet was going to be held, and yet they planned their wedding day right around that great banquet, which shows that their wedding was more important than this banquet. The wedding was more important than the king. What this showed was a lack of respect and value towards the king. So here's the point that Jesus is trying to make in all of this with this story. All of these people had been warned of this great banquet that was coming. But when the banquet came, the king and his banquet were secondary in their lives. Their lives. And what they were doing were more important than the king. And now here's what you need to know. Those listening to Jesus' words at this party, those who were listening to this parable that Jesus was sharing, they would have been appalled at these excuses. You don't say that to a king. 
You don't reject a kind of invitation from a king. You don't treat a king that way. How dare they make these types of excuses and not go to this banquet and turn down the request of this king. That's what those who heard Jesus' story would have been thinking about. This is absurd. I want you to notice what happens next. But I want you to notice what the king does when he hears all of these excuses. And when he hears that his great invitation had been rejected by all of those who had received it. Look at verse 21 to 23. It says this. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house, or the king, became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have just ordered has been done, but there is still room at your great banquet. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads then. And the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Just pause there for just a moment. Do you see what the master does? Do you hear his words? The master becomes angry at the first guest and says, Since they are unwilling to come. And since they do not value me or my invitation. Then I'm going to open up my banquet. To all of those who will value it. And to all of those who will actually come. Did you notice? Did you notice who that was? This should blow our minds. And this would have blown the hearers of Jesus' story. The king in this story tells his servant to go and invite the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. But the king says, don't just stop there. He invited those who lived on the roads and in the country lanes. Do you know who those type of people are? They are the outcasts, the misfits, the moral retrobates, the criminals, the sex offenders, the terrorists, the gangsters, and the mobsters. They were the ones that weren't even allowed into the city. They were relegated to outside the city. They were the worst of the worst. Do you know crazy? Do you know crazy this would have been for those who were listening to Jesus' story? I'm telling you, their jaws would have dropped at this point of the story. They would have been shocked at who now was invited to this great banquet. You don't invite people like this. Let alone, you don't have them into your home in this culture. And yet this king was seen opening up his home and opening up his kingdom to these people. But can I tell you this? If that was jaw-dropping, that doesn't even compare to what Jesus says next in the story. Look at verse 24. Jesus is now talking in first person. He's getting out of the story and he's now looking at all of those men and all of those people at this banquet. And he says these words. He says, I tell you, 
Not one of those who were invited, meaning the original guests, will get to taste, that get a taste of my banquet. Did you hear that? He said, not one of those who turned down my original invitation or the king's invitation will ever go to the banquet. Never. No way. The door is closed. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is responding to the original comment that was given back in verse 15, where the man turned to Jesus and he said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus here is using this parable and turning to that man and saying, you're right. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. He is blessed and they will be blessed if they go. But you better make sure that you're there. You better make sure that you respond to the invitation. If you reject the invitation, you reject the king. And if you reject the king, you will forfeit your place at the table. Let me say that again. If you reject the invitation... You reject the king. And if you reject the king, you will reject your, your place in heaven or at this great banquet. You know what Jesus is doing here? Jesus is lovingly warning those who are at the, this dinner table, the Pharisees and the Jewish people, That if they continue to reject and make excuses as to why they were not following him, the Messiah, Son of God, they were going to forfeit their place in this great feast called heaven. Here's what you got to know. The Jewish people were the ones who had been invited to the banquet in the first place. They had received the first invitation in real life. The first invitation came through the prophets who told them that there was going to come one day a Messiah. One day there was going to come a Savior who was going to rescue the world from sin and judgment. And they said, yes, yes, we will wait for this Messiah. Yes, we will look for this coming Savior. And so they had spent time waiting for the Savior. However, when the second invitation came, when the Messiah had come, when the Savior had arrived on the scene, when Jesus showed up, they were found rejecting Him and making excuses why they would not follow him. Do you know? Do you know, and you probably do, but there were over 300 prophecies and predictions that were given about how we would be able to know or how the Jewish people would be able to know who the coming Messiah and the Savior was. Over 300 promises. And here's the point. God... Through Jesus' life, he, Jesus, fulfilled every single last one of these predictions and prophecies. Over 300 of them that were given to the coming Messiah, the coming Savior. Here is the point. 
God went to great lengths to make sure both the Jewish people and that you and I would know and understand that this Jesus, this Jesus that was actually born in this world, he is the long-expected Savior of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the one who would come and rescue the world from sin and judgment. He is the second invitation. However, after living with Jesus and watching Jesus and listening to Jesus teach and Jesus saying that I am the Messiah, I am the, the, the Savior of the world. And after seeing Jesus perform many miracles and signs and wonders, proving that he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, they still rejected him. They still refused to believe. They were still too preoccupied with their lives. They were too self-righteous. And they made all of these excuses. And so Jesus, sitting at this dinner table, looks around to these men who were living with these excuses, knowing that they were wanting to kill him. And after hearing the words of this man who made this comment, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God, Jesus looks to them and he says, yes, yes, blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who will enjoy the feast of the kingdom of God. However, men, if you reject the invitation, you reject the king. And if you reject the king, you will forfeit your place at the table. The first invitation went out, and you all received it. I mean, you're waiting for this Messiah, this Savior to come. However, I am the second invitation. But you're making excuses, and you were rejecting me. And because of this, you were not going to be sitting at this great banquet, though you think you may be. Redeemer, hear this loving warning. Only those who receive the invitation, Jesus, and go to the banquet, live a life for Christ, will receive the gift of heaven. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. He is so desperate for these men to get it. That's why he shares this story. There's two things we can learn from this story that I hope that you learn this morning. First thing is this. First thing is this. This great invitation, do you see? This great invitation is open to everyone. You see that, right? This great invitation is open to every single last one of us. Did you notice who the king invited to the banquet when the first invitation was rejected and the second invitation was rejected? Do you notice who showed up at the party? It was the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, those who lived outside the city, the criminals, the prostitutes, the drug dealers. It was the worst of the worst. It was the sinners. All these people were invited to the party, to the banquet. And all of these people came and the king welcomed them to his banquet with open arms. Do you know what this shows us? It shows us 
that everyone is welcome. It shows us that everyone, of, everyone has been invited. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what may linger in your past. It doesn't matter even if you feel worthy of being able to go to that party, that great banquet. You are invited. You're invited to the banquet. Yes, you, even you, can go to this party, to this great banquet. It's an invitation, I'm telling you. It's an invitation for lost people to be found. It's an invitation for broken people to have their lives put back together. It's an invitation for addicts to be set free. It's an invitation for the lonely to find community. It's an invitation for those who are weighed down by the shame and the regret of their sin. And they feel the weight of the condemnation that they could never be forgiven. That they can actually be accepted by the king. And they can be forgiven. You have been invited and have a seat at this great banquet called heaven. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. In our culture, there are people, and I've got to tell you, I was one of them because of my past, who believed that God could never accept them. That God would never want them at his banquet. Or that they would never be invited to this place called heaven. And what this parable is telling us is that God wants you. He wants you. you. He wants you to accept the invitation. He wants you to come to the banquet. And the question that confronts you out of this story this morning. And the invitation for you this morning. Is this. Will you come? Will you come? Will you hear the invitation and receive the invitation and come to Jesus? However, here is the deal. There are many who think that simply just receiving the invitation and going to the party is too easy. Or it's too good to be true. I mean, nothing in this world is free, right? And since nothing in this life is free, there's something that I must do to earn that invitation. There's something that I must do to get myself into this great party, this great uh, banquet. And so we strive. And so we try. And so we work really hard to prove that I should be at this party. I need to gain the approval of the king. So we watch our words. We pay our taxes. We give to charities. We try to be really nice people to those around us. We pray. We tithe. We read our Bibles. We go to church every Sunday. All in an attempt to somehow pay for this invitation to earn a place around the table. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. And that is not what the Bible communicates to us or teaches us. What Jesus is saying and what the Bible teaches us is that we can never do enough good things to earn our way into this banquet. We can never earn our way into heaven. We can't pay for a place at this table. Why? Because none of us. None of us in this room, none of us in this world, none of us deserves to be invited. None of us deserves to sit at that table. None of us deserves to go to heaven. But here is the good news of this parable, this story. 
And the good news is this. The king has invited you. No strings attached. No background check required. No reference check needed. You have been invited. You can go to the party. Why? Not because of what you've done or what you can do, but simply because the king is generous and gracious and is offering you a place. There's only one thing that stands in the way. There's only one thing that stands in our way, and it's this. Will you receive that invitation? Will you put your faith into action and go to the banquet? So let me ask you, Redeemer, let me ask you this question. Is that you this morning? Are you willing to receive the invitation? Are you willing to surrender your life and place your faith and trust in Jesus? The second invitation. That's the first thing that we can learn out of this parable. But there's another thing that we can learn out of this parable. And this second thing that we can learn comes through a warning. Comes through a loving warning from our Savior. And here's the warning. You ready for it? What's your excuse? What's your excuse? What's keeping you from seeing Jesus? What's keeping you from following Jesus? What's keeping you from the banquet? You see, here's the humbling and stark reality. Is that we may get to the end of our life and realize that we've had all of these excuses, but we don't have the kingdom. We don't have heaven. That we're not at the banquet. Redeemer, hear this. Jesus is sharing this parable to those who thought, who thought that they had arrived, who thought that they had arrived spiritually. However, it was them who were making the excuses, who weren't following Jesus and yet had rejected him. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, look at verse 25 for a moment, and hear this loving warning. It says this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, Jesus said these words, if anyone comes after me, if anyone receives that invitation, if anyone wants to come to the party, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Redeemer. Those are hard words. Those are hard words for us to hear and understand. However, Jesus, I want you to know, Jesus is not telling us to hate our fathers and mothers, wives and children, brothers and sisters, and even our own life. That's not what he is saying here. What Jesus is doing here in those verses is he's using a comparative illustration. He is saying, compared to our love and commitment to Jesus, everything else in our lives ought to pale in comparison to our love for Jesus. 
Everything in our lives ought to pale in comparison to our love for Jesus. Your love for Jesus should not compare to your love for other things. It should be noticeably greater. Think of it in these terms. If you have a dog at home or a cat or a gerbil or some form of pet back at home, you probably love that animal, don't you? I mean, there is a level of love that you have for that animal. However, suppose a robber came into your home and pointed a gun at that animal and pointed a gun at your child and said, I'm going to kill one of them. Which one do you want me to kill? The answer is obvious, right? Please tell me it's obvious that you would choose your child over your gerbil or your your dog. The answer is obvious. Why? Because your love for your child is so much greater than that gerbil. It's so much greater than that, that, that cat. It doesn't mean that you don't love that cat, but it is so much greater. It pales in comparison to the love that you have for your child. That's what Jesus is saying. Compared to everything else in this world, our love for Jesus ought to make it look like nothing else in this world matters. So let me ask you. Let me ask you some real questions. I can't answer these for you. But let me ask you these questions. When it comes to your job, do you love Jesus more? When it comes to wealth, and possessions. Do you love Jesus more? When it comes to your position at your workplace or position in society, do you love Jesus more? When it comes to your reputation, do you love Jesus more? When it comes to your security, do you love Jesus more? When it comes to your family, do you love Jesus more? When it comes to pleasure in this world, do you love Jesus more? Then live like that. Demonstrate that nothing else in this world matters more than your love for your Savior. Jesus is worth more than any of those things. And what Jesus is saying is you ought to live in such a way that when someone looks at your life, they ought to make that connection. Wow, that person loves Jesus way more than anything else in their life. And it should cause them To see Jesus living in you. And that's the second thing we can learn. And it leads to a second question that I'm going to ask. And it's this. Are you willing to drop everything? Are you willing to let everything go? Stop making excuses. And follow Jesus. Until we surrender and make a loving commitment to following Jesus, making Jesus our number one priority, we may have been invited to the party, but we may not be at going to the banquet. So are you willing to drop everything, let everything go, and stop making excuses? So how you doing, Redeemer? How you doing with loving Christ more than anything else? How you doing with demonstrating that your love for Christ is worth more than anything else? Are you willing to drop everything, let everything go, 
and stop making excuses and follow Jesus. So this, this morning, Jesus shares this parable and inside this parable there are two questions and two invitations. The first invitation to us this morning is this. It's to those who feel unworthy or think that they could never be accepted by God. The first invitation is, you've been invited. You've been invited. But are you going? Are you going to the party? Are you going to the banquet? Are you willing to receive Jesus? Second invitation, the second question is to those who think that they are already worthy. To those who think that they may be going. The question is, how are you living your life? By your life, by your actions, are you demonstrating that Jesus is worth more than anything else? Are you willing to let go of everything and stop making excuses and follow Jesus with wholehearted devotion? That's what Jesus was trying to share at this dinner table. And that's what Jesus is wanting to share with you this morning. Let me pray. And we'll call up the worship team and we'll respond in song. Father, we're humbled that you as a king would throw such a great banquet that you would invite us to that banquet. Undeserving. Unworthy. We should not go. And yet, through your son, Jesus, you made a way where we can go to that great banquet. You've invited even us. Father, I pray for a Redeemer. I pray that they would see that that invitation is open to anyone. And that they would receive that invitation. And I pray that if there's those who are here that are living a life trying and striving or making excuses, that by your Spirit you would help them. You would lovingly warn them and draw them back to you. Oh God, thank you for this invitation. Thank you for heaven. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.